As I was saying, we're not in Mecca. <laughs> we're in Hyde Park. And uh, we deeply uh, love you. And as Jay said, Vern and I pray for you regularly. And uh, we feel like family. Uh, is that all right? Uh, we, have, we have church family all over the place. And uh, so it's like coming home when we come here. I'm going to invite Vernon to come up, and uh, we enjoy singing together, and uh, there were years when we didn't do much of it, and we're doing more of it again. And uh, there's a song that's taken right out of the scriptures, out of Jeremiah 32, and uh, it was a very, very bleak time for the people of God. Uh, and if you've, if you've read the Bible, if you've done any uh, studying about the people of God, Israel and Judah uh, back in those days where the, the kings were ruling. Uh, it was just this up and down, cyclic, uh, on and off again relationship with God. And finally God said, this is enough. I mean, God's a merciful God, but there finally came the point where God said, it's time to go to the woodshed. And you kids know what the woodshed is? No, you don't. <laughs> Ask your parents. <laughs> But God uh, sent his people to Babylon, and right on the threshold of their leaving this promised land that God had promised to them, that they had squandered all of the, the blessing that that represented in their uh, going uh, away from God, uh, this word came to the prophet Jeremiah that he was to actually buy a field in, in uh, Israel, Right before they were leaving, and Jeremiah says, why? I mean, we are, we're out of here. Uh, is there any future in, uh, in paying some money to buy a field? And, and, and God's response is, behold, I am the Lord. Is there anything too difficult for me? And what's the answer? I mean, you know, it was totally... Uh, Erroneous to think that buying a field, God said, you're going you're gonna to come back, you're going to plant, you're going you know, to harvest crops in that field. And it looked totally impossible. But that question, is there anything too difficult, God is saying. And so I don't know what your situation is today, but you know, that's, that's where we live, isn't it? In the midst of those kinds of circumstances and situations. And, and uh, the answer that Jeremiah said, no, nothing is too difficult. I know that's true. And so we're going to sing this and trust that it will build faith in your heart today. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything, 
nothing is too difficult for thee. Oh, great and mighty God, great and counsel, but mighty Nothing is too difficult for thee. No, nothing is too difficult for thee. Say it with me. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Oh, great and mighty God. Great and counsel and mighty in thee. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing is too difficult for thee. Sing it again. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing is too difficult for thee. One more time with feeling. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing is too difficult for thee. It's true. It's true. Sorry about that. <laughs> I got it. Well, uh, turn your Bibles, if you have them with you this morning, to Psalm 137. I'm actually going to preach with my guitar on. I don't I very, very seldom have done that, but uh, I just kind of had an inspiration to do that. Is that all right? Uh, I want to talk about something uh, very, very... Uh, Infrequently talked about in church, and it's, it's, it's surprising to me to think about it. Uh, but uh, before I do, I want to just relate a little story that happened to us some years ago. Uh, when we lived in Lancaster County, how many, how many of you know about Lancaster County, Pennsylvania? What do you know about Lancaster County, Pennsylvania? What are, the Amish. Okay, we are not Amish. I just want to clarify that. <laughs> we are not Amish. Uh, but we have strong German background, and, and in that part of our country, uh, Pennsylvania near Philadelphia, of course, that was one of the, the early settled places in our nation. And so in that area, there are a lot of antiques. So if you're into antiques, why, Pennsylvania is a good place to go. And in Pennsylvania, Adamstown, Pennsylvania, right on the edge of Lancaster County, uh, is an is a antique mecca. I mean, there was just antique shop after antique mall after antique market I mean it's just it's just uh, a antiquers paradise Adamstown Pennsylvania so if you're an antiquer that's a place to go if you've not been there but uh, I I opened my paper it was back in the days when you read a newspaper <laughs> hello <laughs> and uh, on the front page was a little article about um, a guy that had gone into one of these antique shops in Adamstown, Pennsylvania, and uh, he was looking for a frame for a picture. And he saw this frame in the corner of this antique shop that he thought it looked like it would be a good uh, frame, about the right size for this photo or this picture that he wanted to frame. So he asked the antique shop uh, owner what, how much for the frame, and he said five bucks. And so he gave him his five dollars, took it home. And, of course, there was a, there was a picture in the frame that he did, wasn't interested in. So he took the back off and to take the picture out. And the backing of the uh, picture, he found an original copy of the Declaration of Independence turned around and sold that for a million dollars. How do you think that antique uh, owner, uh, shop owner, felt about that? Here he had this 
attractive frame, $5 worth, but he didn't realize the value, the hidden value of that particular piece. And uh, I think that's illustrative of where I'm going this morning out of this passage. You know, we are living in really tough times. I don't know if, I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, but uh, it's probably going to get tougher. I mean, you don't have to be too much of a rocket scientist to realize that we are just on the verge, economically, politically, uh, you know, every which way, family-wise. I mean, it is just, uh, you feel the sense of it's like it's just uh, teetering and any little bit. And we are in a free fall. Uh, and so there is a certain soberness that uh, we feel if we have any sense at all of not only the United States, but the world, uh, you know, just the economy and all of that. And so as the people of God, uh, we are to be responsible and, and discerning of the times and to know what uh, we can do. It feels like there's so much out there. What can I, little I do? But I think there's something that we have given to, given to us by God is similar to that frame. And we, we know there's, we've tapped a little bit of the value, but it's something that is so much a part of our lives. And uh, I think that God wants us to see what's right in front of us, just like that picture frame, and get more than the $5 worth that we've been getting out of it up until this time. Okay? Uh, so, Psalm 137, this is also... Uh, related to this time, this dark, dark time for the people of God, but contrast to the song that we were singing, which was right at the beginning as they were ready to make their, their march to Babylon for 70 years of captivity, this is in the midst of that captivity. And so the psalmist is writing uh, out of Psalm 137. We will just read the first four verses. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept. When we remembered Zion, upon the willows in the midst of it, we hung our harps or maybe tailor guitars or banjos or mandolins or whatever. We hung our instruments on the willows. For there our captors demanded of us songs and our tormentors mirth saying, and I want to just... Take this next sentence, take a little bit of liberty here. But I, I think that this is probably a bit of the way that their captors said to the people of God. They said, okay, now sing us one of the songs, one of God's songs. Sing us the Lord's song. Sing us one of those songs of Zion. And their response, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? And my question to you is, why do we sing? I mean, we come in to a church service Sunday after Sunday, year after year, and we don't even give a thought about it. I mean, we just, it's a part of the, it's part of the program, right? Uh, so, I mean, no matter where you go in the world, uh, song is a part of church, right? 
right? I, I mean, and, and how many times do we stop and say, why do we sing? Now, we know that in every culture there is song. Every culture. I mean, you can go to the remotest part of, parts of Africa. Myrna and I had the privilege of you know, going to Africa. I mean, it sounds much different. But it's song. It's tune. And it's, it's music. It's, it's lyrics. And you can find that in every culture. Why? I mean, it seems like in reality, I mean, if the bottom is coming out of life, uh, you know, why song? Why, why did God create song? Well, you know, uh, we're finally getting wise to it. I mean, there is music therapy. Have you heard of that? Music actually using music as therapy, and it's scientifically uh, understood that music has an imp- makes an impact. Well, it's referred to as the language of the what? The soul, the language of the soul. There's something about music, see? Culturally, it's true. But religiously, you see, we we sing song because it opens up the realm of the unseen. It gives us illumination into the unseen realm. You say, well, how does that work? Let me show you. I'm glad you asked that question. Okay, you know, in, in, the, in the universal language of the church, there's one word that emerges that's the same, I'm told, in every language. I don't know every language, but I'm told that it's the same. Do you know what it is? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That in every, every language, it's Spanish, Portuguese, whatever, it's hallelujah. It's, it's not translated into anything else. So we all say the same word, hallelujah. Okay, say that with me. Say it again. Hallelujah. Again. Hallelujah. Okay, now look toward the heavens. You know, let's, let's say it to him. <laughs> we know he's everywhere, but I'm just saying, you know, to get it. Okay, tell him. Hallelujah. Tell him again. Hallelujah. Tell him again. Hallelujah. Okay, how long can you do that? <laughs> okay, about a minute. You say, okay, I'm done. <laughs> okay, hallelujah. Okay, okay. Uh, let's try something.
music. Putting music. I mean, you talk about those lyrics. I mean, there's nothing to them. It's just hallelujah. But you put music to that. Did you sense it? I mean, it, it opens up into the unseen realm. So no wonder we sing. Amen? See? And when I read this, and these mockers, you see, they're asking the people of God to sing whose song? The Lord's song. See, in the difficult times, we'll sing a song, but it's not the Lord's song. Why me, Lord? There was an actual song that was like that. What have I ever done to deserve? You know, it goes on and on. I mean, this, it, it's not a praising song. It's a pouting song. Any of you ever been there, done that? See, because uh, we, we, we lose the sight of the unseen one. See, and so uh, we say, how can we sing? What's the reason to sing? God, where are you in the strange land? See, are we in a strange land today? You better believe it. And as Vernon and I get around from church to church, we hear all of the lamenting going on that's very similar in the church to the world. That's a sad indictment. Amen? See, the enemy wants to steal our song, I'm here to tell you today. See, because if he can steal our song, see, he's got us dead in the water. Because it's the song that will enable us to retune in to the unseen one. Anybody say amen to that? See, we've just demonstrated that. So, you know, my message is uh, the strange land song. See, we're in a strange land. And uh, I believe God has something to say to the church. See, we, we, we've, we've got the $5 worth of singing. But the more understanding we have, the more faith can be released for us to enter in to what is ours, see, because of Christ. So we say, uh, sing the Lord's song. Where is he? I mean, God, where are you? Is what these people were saying. And I believe even as it says here, by the rivers of Babylon, don't forget that in the history of the people of God, the river was a place where God showed himself in deliverance, didn't he? Remember the Red Sea? When the children of Israel were facing the Red Sea and the Egyptians were on their backs. See, breathing down their backs and there was a mountain on either side. I mean, they were in big trouble. See, but what happened? Moses parted the waters and they went across and Miriam got her timber, tambourine and out. I will sing unto the Lord for he a triumph glory. This, right? The horse and rider at the throat into the sea. I mean, the song was there then. Hallelujah. See? And the Red Sea, it floods raised. Remember when they went into the promised land? Again, the river, a place of deliverance. But here, no deliverance. And there they are, just lamenting the fate that they are in. And you see, brothers and sisters, when, when we're experiencing the good life, the throne room gets blurred to us. See, and that's what had happened to the people of God. They lost sight. We lose sight of God. Inevitably, it just happens. We don't need God. See, God, you know, things are going along fine, and then the bottom drops out. I'll never forget, we were pastoring, and uh, I was on the worship team that morning, and uh, there was a couple that had come to us broken. In fact, they were on the verge of divorce, and 
began to plug into the church, and God did a, a, a mighty work in their marriage, and they ended up becoming a vital part of the congregation, and both of Tim and Diane uh, became a part of the worship team. And, uh, and at 28, Diane was diagnosed with a terminal disease, and it was just a heart-wrenching experience to see her over a period of months just deteriorate, 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 deteriorate. It was just nothing unless a miracle of God. And uh, this particular morning, she had deteriorated to a point where she was in a wheelchair, and she was halfway down the aisle uh, next to the pew. We had pews in our church as well, and so uh, she was parked there midway back. And, you know, typically she was on the worship team, a a tremendous worshiper. But there she was, uh, uh, unable to walk by this time. And uh, her condition, scleroderma, all of her vital organs were gradually uh, becoming impliable, and it was, it was a slow death. But I'll never forget, I was on the keyboard, and I just happened to look back midway in our song time, and there's Diane, and, and she could hardly even extend her hands anymore, but tears just streaming down her face. And she is lost in God in that condition. And right alongside of her, two other people, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, as I'm, I'm singing, but I'm, I'm observing something here. And uh, those other two people, I'm observing them. Uh, nothing wrong with them. I mean, there they are, and, and just kind of half oblivious to, you know, to, to what we're singing. And the thought came to me as I observed that. The question I felt God ask, who is the more whole one? And I knew the answer to that. Everybody would have said those two other people sitting on that bench, but no way, Jose. It was that, that girl who, who was so debilitated. But even in that con- condition, she was so tuned into God. I mean, she was, she was seeing the unseen one. You better believe it. See, And it was a tremendous lesson to me. And so... Uh, with that in mind, I want us to turn to Isaiah chapter 6 because I think there's something here that has to do with the Lord's song. And that's, that's, that's what I want to kind of have us look at, the, 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 the content of the song that needs to be there in a strange land that makes it the Lord's song. I think there's a lot of songs that we sing uh, in the church uh, particularly in some of the newer music today, uh, that borderline Lord's song. And I, I think you'll get an understanding of what I mean here. And, and it's significant in light of where we're going. We, we need to understand what this is about and work wisely, wouldn't you say? Because our life is going to depend on it. Uh, so in chapter uh, 6 of Isaiah, this is one of my all-time favorite passages of the Bible, uh, and... Uh, this is another strange land time, and it's, it's, we're going back in time chronologically. It's back uh, in the midst of the time of the kings before Babylon. And uh, it says here, Isaiah penning these words, prophet Isaiah, in the year of King Uzziah's death. Now, uh, we go on and we see, uh, he says, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. We're going to look at a couple of the other verses that go on, but I want to just paint the picture here before we go any further. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, and we can easily pass over that and not get the context. And that's important if we're going to get something out of this passage. Uh, 
because uh, God does pull the curtains back of heaven and, and it allows Isaiah to, 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 to get reconnected with the throne, which I said many times in good times, the throne room gets blurred and we lose perspective concerning God. So God allows difficulty to bring us back to the throne room. And I think that that's why this is so illustrative for us. Uh, because it gives us some really uh, clear uh, understanding relating to this principle. But who was King Uzziah? Well, King Uzziah was a king who reigned for 52 years. He reigned a very long time uh, in proportion to some of the other kings. And um, he was a very gifted king, naturally. He was very gifted. We, won't, we don't have the time to go back to it, but if you're taking note, I think it's in Second Chronicles 26 is the account of Uzziah. And just to make a long story short, he was a, a tremendous cattleman. He was a horticulturalist. He was a tremendous military man. And, and it sounds like from the account that he was actually an inventor. Certainly there were others that helped him create these uh, innovative uh, means of warring. And under his reign, during his reign, for the most part, the Philistines that were an ongoing enemy of the people of God were held at bay because of the, the unique giftedness of, of this king. And uh, on and on and on. He was just, he, he was a phenomenal uh, genius, it, it seems, from what we have recorded in this account. But it so often happens with gifted people, it, it went to his head. And, and he began to start to see himself for more than what he was. And uh, one day he decides to go into the holy place. And the priest, who that was their job, it was not the king's job, but it was the priest's job. Uh, they tried to warn him. They say, don't, king, don't go in. I mean, this is not a part of your job description. But, of course, he arrogantly, he, he's the guy in control, and so he pushes them aside. And he goes in uh, to, to take the place of the, the priest. Anybody know what happened? God struck him with leprosy, and he didn't die immediately, but uh, he died a very painful death in the midst of that uh, curse that came upon him and so in the year of King Uzziah's death Isaiah is saying I saw the Lord and so uh, I I think if we just stop for a moment and think about this Uzziah I believe in studying the the kings of Israel uh, and God's people probably represented the one that would be most likely to succeed or the one that would have been most likely to be able to recreate the glory days of David. I mean, you know, under King David, the the uh, kingdom advanced and it was just it was glory days under David's reign. And I believe that there was some hope that somehow maybe under Uzziah's reign, we can recapture the glory days of David. And it was headed that way. But then Uzziah fouls out. And so in this desperate place, I mean, all the hopes of this glory day dashed. And Isaiah runs, you know, he goes to the temple. God, what is going on here? And God shows him what's going on, except he shows him from a heavenly perspective. And so with that in mind, let's look at this. He says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him. 
each having six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple's temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, then Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am unru- I'm ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king. Who's the king? What's his name? Jesus. My eyes have seen the king. So this throne room view, obviously he sees God. Uh, the word uh, in the verse 1 is Adonai, the sovereign one. He sees God is sovereign in the midst of it looks like, you know, life is falling apart. I mean, it's, it, it's on this free fall because their hope is gone. But he sees the sovereign one. Aren't you glad, brothers and sisters, today for the sovereign one that is still on the throne in the midst of a strange land that we find ourselves in? In the midst of shaking times, there is the holy sovereign. But Isaiah also sees himself. (laughs) And he's a prophet. He's got word is his ministry. But it says, he says, I'm ruined. Why? Because I'm a man of unclean lips. There's something that's crept into his, his de- declaration that's polluted, right? And what polluted it? He says, I live among a people of unclean lips. Do we live among a people of unclean lips today? Pouting, crit- uh, critical, condemning, negative. I mean, is that the world in which we live? And do we pick up that same spirit? We're to be light. We're to be salt, right? Light stronger than darkness. What happened to our light? See, we're talking. As I listen to Christians, you know, they're doing all kinds of political commentary, you know, uh, you know, getting the stuff that the media is feeding us and calling that gospel. And it's negative. See, we have no business doing that. I don't think. Do we? I mean, that's not our place. See? How easily we slip into that when we lose sight of the throne. See? That's why song is so important for us. And it's got to be more than Sunday morning. But it's got to be the Lord's song. See? That brings us back to who He is. And I appreciate the songs of this morning. Thank you, Mike, for leading us. Because uh, that's what it's all about. See? This is crucial to us. We've got, we've got, we've got the, the million dollars in our back pocket. And we don't realize it. See, we're only getting $5 worth. You understand what I'm saying here? See? So uh, he sees God. He sees himself. And he, he's, he, he's, godly sorrow has gripped him. And he's in the midst of repenting. And we know, of course, what happens. One of these seraphim are taken off duty. Holy, 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 and with a coal coming and cleansing his lips. We know that part of the story. But I I want to call attention to this third thing that he sees. He sees, first of all, who did we say he sees, first of all, big and front and center? Adonai, God. He sees, secondly, himself and the unclean lips. But he sees the seraphim. 
Who are the seraphim? Well, there are these heavenly creatures. Literally, that word seraphim means burning one. Burning one. Say that with me. Burning one. They are burning. There's a glow. There's a glory, but it's not their own glory. It's the glory and the glow living in the presence of a holy God. See, they are just burning up with the glory of God. And so he sees these seraphim ones, but he doesn't only see them. He hears them. And they are singing the Lord's song. Now, it doesn't actually say that they're singing here. But we know, according to our other records of heaven, that there's a combination of proclamation and singing and praising that goes on. And it's all intermixed. And I just illustrated, how long can you say holy, holy, holy? Well, you know, about five minutes maybe at the most. See, but with me- you put melody to that. We could, I mean, I, I didn't want to stop. Hallelujah. You know. Modulate another key, and I mean, we're off again, see, for another key. See, and, and, and we can connect that to it. I mean, we can go endlessly with music as a carrier that, 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 that continues. And so we know that this is a heavenly song that they're singing. And there are two parts to it. So we're getting at what is this Lord's song that these, these uh, captors are asking God's people to sing in mockery. But I believe God was speaking through it and saying, folks, would you sing my song for goodness sake? See, God was speaking. God was speaking through those captors. Sing, begin singing the Lord's song because that's your hope. And so the first part of the song, part A, see, you know, songs many times have a part A, part B, verse and chorus. Okay, we have it here. What's the first part according to your Bible? What is it? Holy, 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 right? Holy. stop do you i mean there's something about it holy 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 lord god they're singing this and you know uh, i believe that there's just this ongoing revelation that's going on even right now you see when we sing that song we're joining the seraphim that song is going on continually holy 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 and it's not just some empty repetition but here you know god is just He's unfolding, continually unfolding his glory. And the only natural response, you know, we see that part of him, holy. And then he shows us this, holy. And then we see that, holy. And his ongoing revelation is continuing to expand, even as we're sitting here. Do you believe that? I mean, it's just endless, the glories, the new glories that he's unfolding, see. And these seraphim are declaring that. So it's that, that part A is the adoring part see, of God's song. And we need to sing more songs that are just simply adoring the glory of God, see. A lot of the songs are more eye-focused. 
You know, I, I, Lord, I need, I, 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 I. Listen to the lyrics of song. Now, there's a place for that. I'm not negating that. But I'm saying the overriding focus needs to be on the glory of God. That's the Lord's song that exalts him, that exalts his attributes. There's a song that I want Holy, holy. Transcending, da da. I mean, it just keeps going down through the attributes. I love to sing that song, just declaring the the, the holies of God. So there's this adoring part. Uh, this here's one. Do you sing this one here? When I look into your holiness, some of you shaking your head. When I gaze into your love. Things that surround become shadows in the light. When I found joy when my will comes in when all things that surround become shadows. In the light of you. That's it. When all things that are around become shadows in the light of Him. I worship you. I worship But there's a part B that I want to call your attention to. What's the part B in your Bible? The whole earth, say it with me, the whole earth is full of your glory. Wait a minute, God, you don't know. Hey, Josiah, our hope has just died. I mean, God, wake up, God. Right? Isn't that what we do? God, don't you know how bad it is? I mean, look at the United States. I mean, God, what do you mean? The earth is full of the glory. Uh, Yeah, all except the United States, right? (laughs) They're saying the whole earth. Is that true? I mean, is the whole earth full of the glory? What's the glory that's filling the whole earth? Well, I have good news for you. In the midst of the gloom, there's a glow. There's a glow in the gloom. How do you spell gloom? G-L-O-O-M. The first part of gloom is glow. G-L-O. There's a glow in the gloom, I'm here to tell you today. God's a redemptive God. He takes the very worst that happens and actually uses that for good. Anybody say amen to that? 
That's our God. Hallelujah. He's not a creator, not just a creator. He's a redeemer. We see that in the cross. The very worst that could have ever happened. That's the very worst thing that has ever happened and will happen on the face of this earth. The cross. When you say the most unfair thing, the most, the most awful thing, the most gory thing that has ever happened is the cross. God took that negative and he stroked it with his vertical stroke. Actually used that as, as a part of his positive work. He takes the very worst things in our lives. He wants to use them for good. The word says that he causes 90% of the things that happen in our... All, what Bible do you have? He causes all things to work for good? You've got to... What, what, what kind of gospel... Is she right? Amen! Because we've got a redeeming God. Hallelujah. Uh, just quickly, turn with me yet uh, another Isaiah passage. Uh, we need to see this in light of the second uh, part B, which I call, if you're taking notes, the first part's A, adoring song. But this B, I call it the birthing song part of the Lord's song. Birthing. What do I mean? Well, look at Isaiah 54. Now, I know some of the translations translate this shout. It can be translated shout or sing. I think it could be the both, you know, shouting as we sing. Uh, but it's, let me use the word sing here. Uh, this is out of the New Living. Sing, O childless woman. Sing, O childless woman. Now, remember in this culture, to be childless was the, the, the most awful thing, uh, the most despairing thing that could happen to a woman, to be childless. Sad to say that's not the case today. But in that particular time it was. So here's the, the exhortation. Childless woman, sing. Sing over your barrenness. Break forth into loud and joyful song, O Jerusalem. Even though you've never gave birth to a child, for the woman who could not bear child, uh, children now has more than all the other women, says the Lord. Enlarge your house. Build an addition. Spread out your home, for you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will take over other nations and live in their cities. So what is the prophet here saying relating to this he's saying that not only is the lord's song an adoring song to giving giving him glory but when we do that brothers and sisters there's an authority that is released to us see adoration releases authority say that with me adoration releases authority do we as a church need authority today we've lost our authority See, and the world's running all over us. Why? Because we've lost our authority. So, God's saying, sing my song and see what I will do to reignite what I have given to you. God has restored to us dominion over the earth. That's what the enemy took away from us. Hello? And singing over our barrenness. See, how can we sing the Lord's song in a barren time? Is the question. How do we do it? Well, David said, I, by golly, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The song is not dependent on my circumstances. The song is dependent upon the unchanging nature of my God. My God is an awesome God because he is able to take the very worst things that happen in our lives and actually turn them and use them for 
for our good and his glory. See, that's what makes him God. That's why he's God and we're not. So we see the glow in the gloom. See, And that's why we have to cultivate. We need to work, brothers and sisters, at cultivating and seeing the holy in the daily. See, in, 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 in the circumstances, Dana, right? In that concrete job, the, 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 <laughs> the, there's, there's glow in the gloom. See, I mean, this is real stuff. If you wonder what we're talking about, we were talking about this earlier. You can talk to Dana about it. But we all have our, we all have our glooms, right? But there's, I'm here to tell you there's glow in the gloom, and we unwrap that. We ignite that out of the song. See? Uh, I, I don't know if any of you recognize that. I know the, the Hawses do, uh, and probably Tim and Ginny. Uh, I don't know if any of the rest of you recognize the name Jack Hayford. But one of the great pastors of uh, our generation uh, out on the West Coast in Los Angeles and Hollywood uh, he came to the church that became Church of the Way, one of the great uh, uh, churches, uh, mega church, first megachurches that our nation uh, knew of. And uh, he came to that. I remember hearing him tell the story. He came to the church. There was 25, 30 people. Had just been through a horrendous church split, and he was a young pastor. Came into that thing, and, I mean, he started to try and do everything he could to begin to build that church. It just wasn't happening. And he just pouring out his heart to God, said, God, what in the world can I do? And so he felt to go into that sanctuary every day and just uh, sing a birthing song. I mean, he was, you know, over the barrenness, all over the, the, all of the negativity and all of that. He just, he'd walk through the sanctuary. Lord, I praise you. I give you glory, O Lord. You were the great one. You were the glorious one. Now, he was not doing it out of feeling. He was just simply singing that song, uh, just declaring who God was in the midst of that. And the rest is history. God began to start to turn that thing around, and it became thousands of people. And people like Pat Boone and other you know, celebrities you know, uh, connected with that body of believers. It's still going on strong today. Jack, I think, is still living. But it all came out of that birthing song. Well, we know that uh, really there's a precedent in the Scripture. Remember Acts chapter 16? We won't take the time to look there, but uh, remember uh, great church planters, Paul and Silas, and, and Paul's wanting to go into Asia, and God blocks it, and he's trying to go into another direction. God blocks it and finds, God, what are you trying to do? God says, I want you to go this direction. Okay, so he goes into Philippi and begins to start doing his thing and, and making some impact, and of course, as often happens, uh, he got into trouble for it, and they find he, here Paul and Silas find themselves in the clink, in jail. And, and uh, you can imagine, I mean, they've been beaten. Uh, and, God, you let us here? What's this all about? And I'm sure, you know, they were there. We don't have the video. It would be a great video if we had it. And, and, and I mean, there they are, uh, you know, licking their wounds. And, and, uh, and then... Uh, Paul, yeah. What do we do now? Man, I don't know. Um, what about singing? What can we sing about? Yeah. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. No, 
not a whole lot of energy in that. So shall I be saved from my... That's the wrong lyric. How can that happen? The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth. And you know what happened? God started, hey, hey, God. one of the angels said, God, did you, do you hear what's going on? And God started tapping his foot. Boom, boom, boom. What happened? We know there was an earthquake. Well, you, you know why that earthquake was, right? God was tapping his foot. And, 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 and the rest is history, right? It was the open door. The jailer gets saved. His family gets saved. And God parted the waters. And it was the very establishing of that new uh, frontier. Uh, amazing. All because... Uh, there were a couple of guys that were willing in the midst of that desperate situation to begin singing that birthing song. And so I believe there are some things that need to be birthed uh, in, in our lives. You know, Vernon and I have done this. We've got, some of you know, uh, we've got a daughter over in Australia with two of our grandkids. And her husband has had some severe uh, physical issues. And, you know, we get these SOS calls. Well, we can't run over, like many of you, uh, to the next town or the next state and, and come to their rescue. But time and time again, when we've gotten these calls, particularly with David and these, these bouts of his intestinal stuff, when I, I mean, it, it's serious. They're wanting to do a colostomy and all kinds of stuff. And we say, no, God. And we, you know, I pick up my guitar and for, you know, 20 minutes, half hour, we're just singing birthing songs. And I'm here to tell you today, God has heard those prayers and God's broken through and God's done the impossible. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. See, so how can we sing? God's song in a strange land? Well, we do it by keeping our eyes and focuses on Him. And singing is the doorway that God has ordained for us. It's not the only one, but it's a primary one. And see, when we come in here to sing on a Sunday morning, and my song is joined to your song, wow, there is power in that, see? And I want to call you to a new place in song even in your Sunday morning services. You say, what do you mean, Wes? Well, stand up with me. Do you all know that song? Uh, see if you know this one. Come, now is the time to Oh, you do know it. Okay. I used to sing that song and lead it as kind of like a call to worship. Come. You know, calling the congregation to worship. But, you know, recently I had a revelation. I said, that song is a song calling out to, the, to our neighborhood and saying, we're, we need to declare to the neighborhood, come, now is the time to worship in the midst of this strange land. Instead of lamenting, now is the time to, to look to the one that is our true Savior. Our Savior isn't Washington. I don't care who gets into that place. That is not our salvation, see. Our salvation is in the Holy, Holy, Holy One. So I want to do something. Can we do something radical here this morning Amen. with this in mind, singing the Lord's song? But I think we need to have this birthing element in our minds, realizing that as we're singing and we have songs that are geared this direction, that we can make a difference, a declaring difference 
uh, to our community. And so you on this side, I want you to kind of face this way, except the ones uh, that are right in front. I want you to front face this way. In other words, we want to cover north, south, east, west. I'm talking about you posturing yourself. So uh, the houses, can you turn over kind of that direction? Okay, you t- on front. Some of you in the back there, so that we're all extending our focus and extend your hand out that direction. And we're going to call out to our community today through song and sing a birthing song. Is that okay? Does this community need that? Do we need to declare, now is the time, Hyde Park. Now is the time to worship God. And let's sing that and declare it today. Not just singing the song, but may it be a birthing song. May it be a planting song. May it be a deliverance song. And let's sing it. pray that you would just, in a very special way, as this congregation, small in number, God, we know you love to take little things and make big things out of them, do great things out of them. And so we believe, God, that that's what this is about. You're calling churches in this hour.
to move beyond our focus on our problems, against, uh, on the impossibilities, on the negativity. And, oh, God, may we be burning ones. May we be seraphim, God, on this earth. God, hallelujah. Touching heaven, changing earth. That's our mandate. We believe song, your song, is a, a big part of that. I pray, God, that in a, in a new way out of today, you'll make Bridge Builders Community Church a, a, a worshiping uh, Lord's song uh, community of believers. God, help, help to, to, to bring more understanding of what this tremendous tool that you've given to us. Yes, to adore you. That's first. With God to represent you. God, we thank you. We declare today the verdict's in. The whole earth is full of the glory of God. The whole earth is full of the glory of God. Say it with me. The whole earth is full of the glory of God. God, we leave this place with that on our lips, regardless of what we see. For, Lord, you have the last word. You are the Alpha and Omega. You are the beginning and the end. And we give you praise and all of God's people said, Amen.